0: talked about the Holy Spirit. Um, Who is the Holy Spirit? What is his role in the biblical storyline? And what is the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives as followers of Jesus? And we concluded uh, by highlighting some of the stuff that the Spirit does in our lives and in the world, uh, including the fact that the Holy Spirit uh, speaks, guides, heals in multiple senses of the word, uh, gives power uh, over the demonic, empowers us for ministry, that's like witness and evangelism, the global uh, universal mission of God, uh, gives spiritual gifts, including words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, Gifts of healing, miracles, encouragement, a prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, etc. And the Holy Spirit bears the fruit of recreation in our lives, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. And there's actually um, more stuff that the Spirit does. This is just a snapshot. Uh, but today, we want to do something a little bit unique, and that we want to focus in on spiritual gifts, and we want to focus in on the gift of tongues in particular. But but before we do, I wanted you to see kind of where this fits in, in the larger conversation about the Holy Spirit that we started last week. And I want to take a moment to explain why we would take an entire Sunday to talk about one spiritual gift off of this list to the neglect of all the others. And the reason is this. Of all of the stuff that the Spirit does... And of all of the gifts that the Spirit gives, tongues, in my experience, is the most controversial and the least understood of all of that stuff. And so rather than avoiding the controversy this morning or kind of skirting around it and talking about subjects that might be more comfortable, instead what we want to do this morning is actually step into the controversy and take it head on. Uh, Recognizing as we do, if you throw the list back up, uh, recognizing as we do that most of the stuff that the Holy Spirit does isn't controversial at all. For example, I've never met anyone who left a church because people there had too much faith, right? I've never heard anyone complain about the gift of encouragement, I've never heard anyone in any context complain about the fruit of the Spirit. Oh man, those people, they're just so generous. They're just so loving and joyful and oh, just, I just have a huge theological problem with that. no. Most of the stuff that the Spirit does isn't controversial at all, but the gifts of the Spirit are something that are less understood, and tongues has been a source of much of the controversy. And so we'll take that head-on today, and hopefully through the process, not just grow in our understanding of what the Scriptures are talking about, but also grow in a hunger for the stuff that the Spirit does. And so we'll start with this. These are the words of Paul written to followers of Jesus. He says, Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good or for the good of the church at large. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit to another, gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another, miraculous powers, to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits, to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And that's really the heart behind today. We, we want you to know about the gifts of the Spirit, and we're focusing in on what the NIV has translated as different kinds of tongues. Uh, so we're going to pick up right where we left off last week, if you were with us last week, which is Acts chapter 2. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 1, and we'll get started in a moment. And uh, as you're turning there, I'm, I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, Um, as we engage with the scriptures, we cannot help but come across things that just don't really make sense to us. And so as we um, kind of step into an area of misunderstanding, as we step into an area of controversy, um, God, would you help us to see clearly who you are and what it is that you're up to in the world? And ultimately, would you stir in us a hunger for who you really are, not who we've imagined you to be, but who you really are and what it is you really want to do. So we give you this time, Jesus. Speak to us, speak to our hearts, speak to our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you were with us uh, last week, we talked briefly about how the Old Testament prophets uh, were anticipating a day when the Spirit of God or the Ruach of God, if you remember that conversation, would be poured out on all people. And while some of the results of this event were anticipated and expected, uh, others appear rather odd. So we'll pick up in verse, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost came... They, meaning the disciples, were all together in one place. Suddenly, this, a sound, like a blowing of a violent wind, or ruach in Hebrew, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire, or flames, that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. We, they've been waiting centuries for this moment and curiously began to speak in other tongues as the spirit enabled them now there were staying in Jerusalem god-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven when they heard this sound a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken utterly amazed they asked aren't all these who are speaking galileans how is it then that each one of us hears them speaking in our native Language. The Spirit of God finally comes, it falls on the place, and and they burst into proclaiming the mysteries of God in languages that they hadn't known before that moment. And thousands are drawn in by the activity that's happening, and uh, thousands eventually come to faith when Peter stands up and preaches the gospel. Interesting. This is uh, the first time that we see this happen in the scriptures. And while it's unique in some respects, uh, similar events continue to unfold as we progress through the book of Acts, or the early church. Uh, Next, we read this. While Peter, what, not next in the book of Acts. This is chapters later, chapter 10 but while Peter was still speaking these words, he's mid-sermon on a different occasion. The Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So again, The Holy Spirit falls on the place and Gentiles or non-Jewish people just received the Spirit and started speaking in tongues. And they didn't know about Pentecost, but it happened again. Acts 19, Paul is baptizing people and it says, uh, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Do you see the pattern here that's happening? On multiple occasions, people receive the Holy Spirit or, or the personal empowering presence of God and then immediately They speak in tongues. Now, a a point that I find really interesting within this conversation uh, is that oftentimes when when we read that people spoke in tongues, it's referring to known human languages. Um, The classic example is Pentecost, the first time the Spirit comes. And in that uh, that example, uh, they're speaking known human languages, whether it's Egyptian or Libyan or Mesopotamian or whatever. There's a long list of languages there. Um, But... They're in that unique situation. They're empowered to speak human languages that they hadn't known before to people who speak that language and who then understand, whoa, something really unique is happening here. I'm hearing about Jesus and the resurrection and all of it in my native language. Uh, But the interesting thing is that that as the scriptures progress, we see that sometimes tongues is referring to known human languages and other times tongues is referring to unknown languages or what we would call angelic languages. And, and so uh, we have that uh, example at Pentecost, uh, but depending on, on your interpretation of scripture, that may actually be a relatively rare instance. I think of uh, Paul, for example, Um, in in his instruction to the church, he actually says, hey, if someone speaks in tongues, uh, somebody else uh, should receive an interpretation from God in that moment as to what that means, because otherwise, you'll never know. So the issue, a lot of the times, doesn't appear to be, oh, you're speaking in Chinese, and we need a Chinese translator, but you're speaking in a language that no one knows, and that requires an interpretation by God in the moment. I think of Paul in his famous passage on love, where he says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And and we read this at like secular weddings and stuff, probably having no idea what's embedded in there. Uh, But I think that's what Paul is referring to. And so we have to admit that this is all um, just a bit bizarre, and kind of largely anticipated if you read the scriptures cover to cover. Uh, But the controversy uh, surrounding tongues isn't necessarily what tongues are, human or angelic or whatever, uh, but rather when and where we should expect them to occur. And this is where the tension lies. Because there are some schools of thought usually rooted in kind of uh, more extreme Pentecostal, uh, charismatic backgrounds uh, that would actually say that, that the gift of tongues is a gift um, that everyone receives when they receive the Holy Spirit. And so if, you, if you've been saved then you've received the Holy Spirit and you have the gift of tongues. And they would point to passages like the ones that we just read. And they'd say, hey, when the Holy Spirit first came, people spoke in tongues. And and whenever the Spirit shows up in the book of Acts, people spoke in tongues. And the rebuttal to that argument is, well, wait a second. There are tons of places in the book of Acts and throughout Scripture where people are receiving the Holy Spirit, and it doesn't say anything about tongues. I mean, what about those instances? Uh, To which these theological camps would respond, well, uh, the, the people spoke in tongues in every instance, it's just that the scriptures didn't say in every instance. After all, how would you even know that someone received the Holy Spirit unless they speak in tongues? Do you see how that argument works? Right, so that's, that's kind of on one end of the spectrum. Uh, the, the problem is that um, this line of thinking leads to environments and churches in which everyone is expected to speak in tongues. And if you don't speak in tongues, it means that you haven't received the Spirit and you're not saved. Can you imagine the damage that has been done in these environments? Not only do you end up with sort of chaotic worship environments... But you also end up with entire groups of people kind of encouraging one another to fake it till you make it or pretend like you're speaking in tongues until the Holy Spirit one day gives you that gift. I've had multiple friends who have attended these churches only to be told point blank by someone in leadership, you need to speak in tongues right now in front of us or it means you're not saved. Can you imagine how awkward that would be? And so as a result of bad doctrine and consistent abuse in this area, there are entire theological camps who have reacted in the other direction and perhaps even overreacted by then coming out and saying, Hey, guess what? We don't believe that the Holy Spirit gives these gifts at all anymore. And, and these theological camps generally identify as cessationist, meaning that they believe that the Holy Spirit ceased, at least, to giving some gifts at the closing of the canon, or when the last letter of Scripture was finished being written. Boom! The Holy Spirit instantly stopped giving certain gifts, and so um, that means that God doesn't do that stuff anymore; that He's not interested in that stuff anymore. And so if those things are still happening, they're either fake or they're demonic. Do you see how the stage is set for tension in this area between these different belief systems? Absolutely. So, so to be honest, if you want to argue that the Holy Spirit doesn't give gifts anymore or that he doesn't give certain gifts anymore, I think you're actually fighting a, an uphill battle. I think you have your work cut out for you if that's what you want to prove. Um, and my assumption is that a lot of what fuels uh, these theological camps is actually a reaction to abuse and a reaction to bad doctrine rather than a plain reading of scripture in a vacuum. But I think that we can all to some degree, you know, regardless of our backgrounds, we can all sympathize with those theological camps. Because when it comes to these conversations, really all it takes is one or two bad experiences to completely turn you off to the entire conversation. I want nothing to do with the Spirit, nothing to do with the gifts of the Spirit. It doesn't take much to put someone there. And, and in a sense, that's where I was for a lot of my walk with Jesus, and to be clear, I wasn't um, cessationist in the full sense of the word. Um, I, I wasn't I believed in certain gifts of the spirit. Um, I believed in and regularly prayed for healing, and we've seen people healed. I, I believed in and regularly prayed for to receive kind of prophetic words from God in the moment, and those words powerfully shaped my life. This, this church would not exist without them. It, it powerfully shaped my life and the life of people around me. Um, I, w- I was all for uh, the gifts of the Spirit except for tongues. And to be fair, I had never heard tongues before, um, so I had zero exposure. I'd never um, been around in any of those environments, but I had loads of kind of second-hand stories that were just weird. Because it turns out that there really were cases where people were uh, faking it until uh, something real happened. And there were places where it was so unnaturally abused that you really could come to the conclusion that something demonic was behind it. And so I had no reason at all to go there. My stance was, um, I mean, all I saw was bad doctrine and bad experiences. I said, why mess with something that is so divisive and unhelpful? What's, what's the point? Maybe some of you are asking that right now. Um, And and that was pretty much where I was uh, until about a year ago when we uh, planted this church. And um, I started mentoring uh, Coulter Batterton up here near the front. Um, And he started sharing with me, mentoring always goes two ways, and he started sharing with me some of his experiences. And uh, it really began to challenge me. And you'll hear his experience in a few minutes. But it really started to, it was challenging and almost convicting and kind of started to slowly open up my mind to, wait a second, maybe I've made too many assumptions about some of the gifts of the Spirit. And, and then the real change came um, back in March. Some of you will remember I traveled to South Africa as part of kind of a small... Um, conference and retreat for young pastors, a small handful, just 12, 12, 15 of us from all over the world. And um, Ray Lowe, who some of you guys will remember, he, was, he taught here back in August. Um, he was leading this little conference in South Africa. And so, and we had people from, from England and from South Africa and Holland and Iran and Montana, and then like Tracy and I were there. And, um, and, and what really changed my life during our week or week and a half together was the worship. And so every morning we'd come together as the sun was, was coming up, and we'd worship together. And these people uh, were worshiping Jesus w- with this passion and this freedom that I had never e- even tasted before. I'd never been exposed to. And, and so everyone's kind of crying out to Jesus in their native languages. And so we're, we're worshiping him in, in Hindi and in Dutch and in Arabic and whatever they speak in Montana. I couldn't understand them. And, but we're all doing that, right? Just, and I'm just in it. And all of a sudden I realize, wait a second, one of the guys in our little circle is praising Jesus in a language that I've never heard before. And he's from England. And, and so all of a sudden I realized, well, wait a second, that must be tongues. Like that must be the thing that Paul was writing about in his letters. And so instantly in that environment, a lot of my, my fear and anxiety surrounding it just began to evaporate. So I said, oh, well, that's, I don't know what I was thinking it was, but I, that, that's not as weird as I thought it would be. And so a lot of my fear began to evaporate, and then over the course of the week, the Holy Spirit was just moving powerfully, and and suddenly I became kind of interested or intrigued. And and everyone's kind of receiving gifts of the Spirit and exercising gifts of the Spirit and passionately worshiping together, and I I slowly became intrigued or interested in it. And then, almost unexpectedly, I I began to crave it. And, And throughout the week, the Holy Spirit was just filling my heart to the point where it just wanted to Burst. And, and I came to this place of saying, God, I want to worship you in this way. Would, would you give me this gift? And, and, and sure enough, I, I prayed that, and nothing happened, but God was still just moving and so throughout the week, I came to this place of saying, oh man, I, God, I want more of you, and I, I want this gift in particular, and so I kept praying, and I kept striving, and I kept leaning in asking God for this gift in particular. And sure enough, nothing happened. Uh, Until the last morning. Um, And the last morning, we um, right before our time of morning worship, I was just uh, reading my Bible, um, spending time together with God, sort of preparing my heart. And uh, I read this line in Romans 8. This is the message. And, And it said this. It said, instead of redoubling our own efforts before God, we should simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. And that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, oh my gosh, my, that, that's it. My job is simply to come before God with that type of heart posture. God, I'm just ready to embrace whatever, who you are and whatever it is you want to do. And then I walked into the morning meeting and one of the guys stood up and he's, he had this word from God. And he said, guys, um, I, I really uh, feel God just pressing this on my heart. I feel like he wants to say to us right now that, that all of this is way more about the giver than it is about the gifts. And that Jesus is so much better than any gift that we would receive from him. And I thought, oh my gosh, like that, that was for me. Because all week long, I've been saying this gift, this gift, this gift. And so finally, in between kind of letting go and saying, I'm going to re my new heart posture is just to embrace what you're doing. And I care more about the giver than the gift. Suddenly, I, I came into this place where I was able to just let go. And, and we went into to worship that morning, and um, it was amazing. But I was saying, God, I'm just open to you. I, I get it now. I, it's not that I'm broken. It's not that I'm incapable of receiving gifts from you. I, I just need to have this heart posture. And so as we're going through, we get to, to the end of worship, and there's all these young guys from around the world, and several of them are being sent out to plant new churches, some in dangerous areas. And so we uh, all come together and we say, hey, let's, let's pray over these guys, which is n- nothing unusual about that. But the unique thing was that Ray Lowe, um, in his usual way of like provoking people in their faith, in the most loving of ways, um, he said, he, he brought us together, a small intimate group. We all know each other by now. And he says, guys, let's just pray over these guys in tongues. And, and instantly, like what starts to well up in me is my natural like anxiety. I don't, I don't know how to, but then somehow, and I, he's never said that before or since, but it was just this moment where he said, guys, let's just do this. And, and all of a sudden I just had this peace and I realized it's not up to me. God is gonna give to each person as he determines. That's the scripture we just read in the beginning. And, and my job is just to embrace what, what the Spirit is doing. And so instead of this like, anxiety in this moment, uh, curiously, that, that there, was, there was just peace. And all of a sudden, I had this, this sensation like I was standing on the, the, the door of an airplane, right? And, and I just had to jump and like, trust that the parachute was going to work. And so I just kind of stepped out and started praying, and, and I kind of had to turn off my over-analytical mind, right? That's so common in, in the West. And I just kind of turned that off for a second and just let the Spirit flow through me. And all of a sudden, it just happened. All of a sudden, I just had access to this new language that I'd never spoken before. And, and it just came flowing out. And it's all, suddenly, I was just passionately praying, and quietly, because I'm introverted, right, praying, in, in this new language. And I just felt this, this freedom in the presence of God, it like unleashed something in me. And I've had access to, to this new language ever since. And so now, not every morning, but most mornings, I, I try to get up early after an exhausting night with a one-year-old and a two-year-old. I try to get up early and go for prayer walks around Spokane. Um, oftentimes as the sun is rising and so and during these walks um, I'm praying and I pray for the nations uh, and I pray for our city and I pray for River's Edge and I pray for many of you by name Uh, and as part of these times with God in the morning I have moments of stillness I have moments of quiet I have moments where I say God what do you what do you want what do you want said right now what do you want me to hear What do you want to speak over our city, over our church, over my friends? I have moments where I'm praying through the Psalms. That was week one, right? God, restore me to the joy of your salvation. Just working through those words, letting them propel me into the presence of God. I have moments just about every morning where God leads me to pray through the Lord's Prayer. God, your kingdom come, your will be done in Spokane as it is in heaven. And I have moments, most mornings, where I pray to God in this new way, in this language. And so for me, it's just become one more avenue of kind of passion and intimacy and connection and prayer that I use in my time with God and what I would consider this prayer language. And so I've never felt led to pray that way in front of others, But it's a gift that I have received and and I now exercise and value. And and so that's um, just a snapshot of kind of how I went from, hey, that's divisive and unnecessary, why even go there, to then saying, wait, this is actually beautiful and and relevant when it's handled in a healthy way. And and I'm always thinking in in analogies and metaphors, right? Um, And so as I was preparing this teaching and I was thinking it through, I I thought, man, how can I explain this to someone who's never experienced it before? Uh, And there's no perfect metaphor, especially in this area. Uh, But do you know what tongues is like? It's like singing, I want you to imagine for a second, it's it's like my soul has found this new way to sing and and express itself before God. And and I want you to think of it this way. I want you to imagine that like aliens landed on planet Earth or whatever and, and they had no concept of singing and no concept of music, never heard it, never been exposed to it. And you had to explain to them using only words what this was like. Right? You would struggle to find the words to say. In the words of one of my favorite theologians, Buddy the Elf, he says it this way. He says, well, well, singing is just like talking, right? Except longer and louder and you move your voice up and down. And the people you were explaining this to would stare at you like you were crazy. Right? Like, okay, I think I understand the concept. Like, I, I, I think conceptually, I'm beginning to grasp this, but where and when would you ever engage in such a strange exercise? Oh, well, you would sing, you know, when you're really happy or when, when you need to express your emotions in a new avenue, or when you just got a really big tax return from the IRS, right? And and all of a sudden you you're you're walking on air. And, and you're you're just ex- you're elated and you you need you just had your first kiss. You you've just realized that you've fallen in love. And and regular words are not adequate to describe what the IRS has just done for your bank accounts. And so you sing, right? It's this new, it, it, it opens up something in you uh, that you didn't have access to before. That, that's what tongues is like. The Holy Spirit is there. The presence of God is on you. You're filled with joy and the beauty of God, and your heart is moved to express itself in a new way. Words are no longer adequate as you stand before the living God. And so your spirit starts to sing a new song, and it brings you to life in a new way. At least that's how it worked for me. In any case, um, that was a, a brief explanation of kind of my experience. But before we end the teaching today, I want to do something a little unique and that I want you to hear from a few others. And so we actually have a small panel of people who are going to share. So if you're part of the panel, why don't you just kind of jump up here um, onto the stage. Thanks, guys, for being willing to uh, share this morning. I think when it comes to this topic, or really any topic that we're going to be talking about through the series, We are all coming from different backgrounds, right? And so some of you guys hear about stuff like this, and you're like, yes, I finally get to, you know, go crazy or whatever. And others of of, of us are like, what is that? And I don't get it, and why should this even be a part of our lives as followers of Jesus? So what we're going to do, just briefly, if each of you guys could share, like, the two-minute version of your experience with this this topic. It's a really mysterious and, and... kind of difficult topic to grasp, but what was your experience with tongues in like the two-minute version? Coulter, why don't you start us?
1: Oh Oh, yeah, this is, I'm Coulter. How you doing? (laughs) So, my experience with tongues began in the summer of 2015 and I was going to a conference uh, with, kind of stemmed out of the Regions Beyond movement with Ray Lowe and Steve Oliver and Trevor, who some of you know. And uh, I went to a conference with my parents that I didn't really want to go to, just because it's not everyone's, every high schooler's dream to go to a conference with their parents in the summer. But that's what I went. And so I went to that, and it was just this amazing time of God's Spirit moving and pouring out, and you're seeing all these people exercising the things that God has given them. And uh, someone was preaching, and at the end they said, Would anyone like to come forward uh, to be prayed to be baptized in the Spirit? And I did not want to go, and so I sat in my chair, very awkwardly, and I just sat there and waited. And it was almost the end, and then my mom, she turned to me and said, do you want to go up to get prayed for? And I said, okay, well, and and I went up there, and I went up to Trevor, and and as I said, some of you know Trevor, and Trevor said, oh, hey, what's your name? And I I talked to him, then he said, I'm going to pray for you, and you're going to speak in tongues. And I remember thinking in my mind, no, I'm not. <laughs> like, no, I'm not going to. But I was polite, and I just nodded my head and said, oh, oh, yeah, okay. And so he started praying for me, and then he said, okay, you pray. Pray in tongues. And I said, okay. And I prayed in English. And he said, I, no, 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 that's, that's wrong. Um, <laughs> he said, I, you, it's not going to be in English. Whatever you're going to pray, it won't be in English. And he continued to pray for me, and then next thing I know, my hands went up, and just as Matt said, it is like something just springs out of your soul, and you're just worshiping to God in a new way that you've never understood, and once you do it, you never want to go back. And then the last thing he said to me, he looked at me and he said, the minute you walk away, the devil is going to tell you that this wasn't true, and that you didn't speak in tongues, but I want you to remember that you did speak in tongues, and that you do have that gift from God. And I kid you not, the second I walked away, my brain said, you didn't speak in tongues, that was fake. And I said, man, that guy's done this a few times before. He knows what he's doing. So that's my experience, so yeah.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Coulter. And that's a really unusual experience. I'd never heard that story, so it was like eye-opening for me. But Amanda, why don't you share yours as well?
2: Um... So the summer after I graduated high school, I started seeking God like I never had before because I wanted him to heal a friend of mine, but I had never learned about the Holy Spirit very much at all. I basically thought the Holy Spirit was this mysterious force that Christians were supposed to have that never really did anything but signaled to God that we could go to heaven. But um, I started listening to this series on the Holy Spirit, like these podcasts online, A similar series to the one we're doing now and I started to want more of the Spirit and I started to believe that all the spiritual gifts all the stuff the Spirit does were real and that they were good and uh, well I started to feel God's presence more than I ever had before just because I was waiting for God and I was looking to him and One of the sermons was on tongues and the pastor made it sound like such a good thing and I wanted to speak in tongues. And so the first time I tried to speak in tongues, I did, which was actually about six months after I first wanted to. And the delay was because I thought that tongues would just take over me. Like I wouldn't have control over it. Like I didn't have to make a move. But in my experience, speaking in tongues is not different from speaking in English in the sense that I can speak or not speak. Like, I very much have control over it. And I remember just telling God, like, I see you, like, I'm looking right at you. I wasn't actually seeing anything different. It was just that I was acknowledging that God was right there with me, and I was acknowledging that he had been waiting for me to look back at him. And it was like... I remember the first time I spoke in tongues, I was in my dorm room alone, just listening to worship music and praying. And I just sort of let the words pour out. It was like, once I got started, the words were just there. And I feel like when I speak in tongues, I don't know what I'm saying, but it's like I'm saying what needs to be said. And now it's just simply another way to pray.
0: So good. And I think that's really helpful too because that was my, my thinking is like the Holy Spirit will so take me over, it'll just be like this out-of-body experience. I won't even have control over it because that's what it looks like in the scriptures, right? Like the Holy Spirit falls and people don't even know what's going on. But, but it was closer to what you were saying, Amanda. But why don't we hear from you, Karshi? Yeah,
3: so I get the interesting uh, third, third spot um, and I've never spoken in tongues before. So uh, when, I, when I started following Jesus and came to faith, i was mentored by a guy who would pray over me in tongues all the time pray for me to receive gifts just never happened and that was started in 2010 and uh, over time i've had these multiple other experiences either in uganda or south africa or mexico or the, or many other um, contexts where i'm around people speaking in tongues it weirded me out at first and then i became super comfortable with it, it just being able to see it as something that, that people do is just another way to pray or worship, but just never happened to me. And so uh, the funny thing is, is I've, I've, I've asked for it. I've had other people pray over me and ask for it. Even people who normally, when they pray for people, they see stuff happen right away. that uh, just never happened to me. And we we thought it would be important to at least share that that experience as well, because going back to what DeSennett said earlier, it's a gift that God decides to give, or He doesn't, and it's it's not this measure of kind of spiritual maturity or anything. It's just a gift that He gives, and He gives other gifts to other people. and And maybe you might receive tongues. Maybe I might in the future, but it just hasn't been something I've experienced yet. And we thought it important to share that experience as well. I I would be totally open to it, and and continue to pray and ask for it, but
0: it's just not something that's happened to me yet. Right. And I actually think that's really valuable because I think that's a common we have to recognize that's a common experience, right? And it doesn't mean you're any less spiritual than than anyone on this side of the, the spec like it just it just hasn't happened. Um and I think that's actually a really helpful place for us to end. Um and it because this is what Paul says in the scriptures. Uh, he says very little, I guess. Um, no, he, he said, there it is. Okay, he says, do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? And he goes on and on and on. And the unspoken answer there is no. Like not everybody does. So it doesn't mean that like something's wrong with Karsh or whatever, but, but this is what Paul does say. We're gonna circle back to where we started. It says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed or left in the dark, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good or for the building up of the church. Uh, and, And... And so, do all speak in tongues? Well, no. Do all prophesy? We'll talk about that next week. No. Do all have gifts of healing? We'll talk about healing. Do people get healed every time we pray for it? No. But if I might be so bold as to add a culturally relevant footnote in here, into the scriptures, I would add that way more of us would if we actually asked for it. And and I'm not just talking about tongues. I'm talking about freedom from the demonic. I'm talking about healing. I'm talking about prophesying. I'm talking about all the stuff that's yet to come in the series. We will see more of that if people actually want it and they're asking for it. And so we're going to receive different gifts and work in different ways. But notice what Paul says. God will work in everyone. Meaning that God is working in each one of you. The Spirit is working in each one of you. God has gifts for each and every one of you. But our question as a community is, are we willing to delight in that? Not just that God has something, but also in our differences. And are we willing to receive from God? And are we actually hungry for the things of God? Are we open to what God wants to do next? And, and that's really the, the question that I want this conversation to drive home because I realize, am I so open to what God wants to do that he could actually give me something that maybe I'm not anticipating or in Coulter's case, doesn't, don't want to receive, which is really unusual. Um, but I, I think that that's helpful in saying, what, where's, where, what is our heart posture? Are we willing to receive these things from God? God will be an increasingly felt reality in the places where people are hungry for him and truly open to what he wants to do next. And that's our hope for this community, and that's our hope for this series moving forward. So let's give it up for these guys. Guys, thank you for sharing. I know that's unusual. Um, As far as everybody else, uh, why don't we stand? You can clear off your laps, and uh, the band can come back up here. We'll try and resituate your stuff for you. But if everybody else wants to stand, we'll just kind of end... Uh, end today in prayer, uh, and that really is our hope. <laughs> not the goal of today was not that all of us would speak in tongues, or even that we would want to speak in tongues. That's not the point. But by tackling the most uh, controversial. And misunderstood of the gifts of the Spirit, we hope to open a broader conversation about the stuff that the Spirit does and actually generate a, a hunger in this community. If you were with us last week, we talked about um, Jesus going to his followers and saying, Receive the Holy Spirit, receive God's personal empowering presence. And really, all we're doing this week is adding one more layer to the conversation. By inviting you to say, hey, be open to the stuff that the Spirit does. Be open to what God wants to do next. And so um, we'll just spend a few minutes here before we open the communion tables. Uh, We're we're just going to spend a few minutes praying uh, as a group and um, just receiving from God, just just drawing our awareness. I love, love, love what Amanda just said, right, of her awareness of, of coming alive to the presence of the Holy Spirit and having this realization God's been looking at me. Oh, and he's waiting for me to look back. Not, not that we, no one can see God. Jesus tells us that. No one's seen the Father. But he's here and he's with us and he's looking at us. Are we looking back at him? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made. And we thank you that in that sacrifice a new way was opened up for us. That your personal empowering presence is here. And that as a result, we can receive the Holy Spirit. And that as we do, the scriptures say you're you're different now, you're a new creation that you, Holy Spirit, work something in us in the deepest places within us. You have worked, and you continue to work. And so as a community, we turn our hearts and our minds and our thoughts toward you, God, recognizing your nearness, recognizing that you are Emmanuel, God with us. We just say thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're here Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you are greater than any gift we could receive from your hand. God, we want more of you. And we believe what you said about the nature of the church. That each one of us receives the Holy Spirit in a unique way. That each one of us receives manifestations of the Spirit in a unique way. God, show us where our gifts lie. when Jesus went to teach his disciples on prayer, he said, he said, when you're coming to God, remember that he's a good father. Remember that he's better than you. <laughs> remember that he's a better father or mother than, than you could ever be to your kids. And when your kids come to you and ask for bread, you'd never give them a snake. How much more will your father in heaven good gifts to those who come and ask. So Jesus, we come asking. We know that you, God, you're the good Father. You know us. You love us. You know right where we're at. You know right about what we're thinking and wrestling through in this moment. But teach us how to be open. Teach us how to be open to whatever it is that you want to do next. We love you, Jesus. Come and walk amongst your people now, we pray.